Hey, welcome to our podcast, Brendan and Bailey's Thoughts on Things. Here is where we have friends as guests, where we encourage one another and talk about matters of everyday life. So here's the thought. Youth, a strange phase in life, full of worries and wonders. Pick a path for the future, enter the workforce, the list and pressure go on. The 15 to 24 year old age range has been hit the hardest in terms of the economic and psychological impacts of COVID-19. Youth employment has always been a worldwide issue. Now, it just got worse. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Brandon and Belly's Thoughts on Things. Uh, today, we'll be talking about youth employment, a very timely matter. Uh, we'll be touching on the perspective from an almost graduating uni student, aka myself. An unemployed fresh graduate. Me. Yeah. <laughs> Very sad. Very sad. Um, cute, sad music. And an employed <laughs> fresh graduate. We have invited a friend of mine, Jane Chen, a professional youth advocate. She refused to be called professional, but she is a youth advocate, a speaker of many <laughs> events. Um, we've worked together previously when we were both at uni, a busy, busy person who has little to no sleep. But Jane, <laughs> will you introduce yourself? Sure thing. Um, so I'm Jane. Again, I don't know about professional youth advocate because most of it's like volunteer work. Um, but I work with a couple of organisations in Melbourne around youth issues, particularly from the perspective of migrant and refugee young people. Yeah, and so I end up writing and occasionally appearing at events and just talking about how young need young people need to be part of policy development because we're mm. dealing with all these challenges and we need to be like part of the decision making table um, yeah because otherwise people don't care about us there you go that's true that's true <laughs> that's true I mean, I mean if, yeah if they say um you know youth is meant to help us prepare future generations and everything then we definitely do need to have a bigger role in you know expressing our voices and what is really needed and what is really necessary for us But okay, before we get into the gist of things, I actually just wanted to throw it at our guest today. Uh, So Jane, (laughs) we're talking about youth employment. I know you have a lot to say as I was talking to you about this, about the topic that we were proposing, but your thoughts. Let's start off with that. This is so broad, just like my thoughts. Just your thoughts. (laughs) I mean, I think it's kind of like the question that's on everyone's mind. Like most young people are worrying about jobs in two senses like first of all how are we going to get a job to cover my expenses right now um Mm. and then jobs in terms of careers like how do I get the career I want and Mm. you know like there are a lot of barriers right now the economy is not great we're in the middle of a pandemic, and it's kind of just like how do I follow my dreams and often there's like a lot of pressure around doing that like pick the right degree like you know follow your follow your aspirations you've got your strengths but Often that's not really possible because you know there's just like too many roadblocks in your way. There's, yeah. there's really expensive degrees. There's um, depending on who you are, there might be like particular forms of discrimination you're facing, and so yeah. you've kind of got all this like responsibility on you to get yourself a job. But as a young person, that's increasingly difficult to navigate. <laughs> yeah, I think it's that trying to find the balance of okay, this is my dream, but here is reality. And how do you, right? Like, okay, I got to be realistic. At the same time, optimistic. How do you kind of, hmm, how do you kind of go about it? But yeah, I love that you touched upon that. I know, um, knowing you over a few years, like policy has been such a huge thing that um, you are passionate about, like even the volunteer work that you do. Like, is that the career that you are thinking of going towards? 
Um, I guess so. Like, it's kind of where I've landed right now. Um, and almost by accident, like, I, I got an internship thinking that I would do the internship and then I would be unemployed and really confused and spend, like, the rest of the year having a bit of, like, a gap year and just think about where I want to go next. So um, you thought your life would be mine? Yeah. <laughs> And then they were like, you know, like, let's keep you longer. Um, and now I'm still working in, like, a kind of government policy space um, whilst also trying to work out, like, is this where I want to be forever? Do I want to be more on the research side of it? Do I want to be working outside of government but influencing government? Um, yeah, just those really big existential questions constantly. <laughs> I was just going to ask, like, when did you know that you wanted to advocate for, like, you? yeah. I guess I just kind of fell into it. So, like, I started uni. I knew I wanted to do Asian studies because I was really interested in Asian studies. Mm. I thought I might try economics. And then I did some units and I was like, this is too mathy for me. Mm. And, like, eventually I found myself doing sociology. And that was, like, this is exactly right. Like, I'm learning about all these, like, different forms of inequality. And um, it's just, like, really fascinating to me, something where I feel like I want to make... I can use my skills to be really influential. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then like from there, started trying to find ways to volunteer at different organizations. And then through those organizations, like they really like built up a lot of spaces for me to be a vocal advocate and to talk mm. about, you know, my experiences and why I feel like this is an issue that I'm facing and that other people are facing and um, what I think we should do about it. Yeah. Mm. Does cool. that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Very thoroughly. Yeah, very thoroughly. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, what, what, at this like point of time, do you feel like, what, what, what do you think is the biggest barrier for um, youth employment like, in terms of like, like in a broad sense? I guess one of them would be like, you know, you need experience to get this job, but like, in mm. order to get a job, you need to get experience. Do you think that's one of the biggest issues? Yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges that um, we kind of tell ourselves lies about is the fact that there just aren't enough jobs. Mm. Like a lot of the time they tell you like, oh, you know, like, you're struggling to get a job because you haven't got the right skills. So if mm. you do like a different course, you might end up in the right place. If you do a master's or like you do some extra like work experience, then you can yeah. learn the skills that you need. But at the end of the day, often it's just that there aren't enough jobs. <laughs> like okay. people aren't hiring. Um, and so it's like really tricky in that sense of like, mm. then how are people supposed to get the work that they want? Um, so it's not, so you're saying it's not necessarily on us. It's not completely on us, no. It's not completely on us. like, make everyone feel better. (laughs) It's kind of, like, not great right now. And a lot of people just, like, aren't hiring. And there aren't enough jobs in the sectors where people want to work. Like, you know, for example, like, the arts sector is completely decimated right now because of COVID. And the government's not putting any investment into that. So Mm. no one's really hiring for, like, artists. There's not that many opportunities out there. Um, So what are you going to (laughs) do? That's true. It does feel like the year is at a standstill. And one of the things that I actually did want to bring up um, while talking about this with you is that there are probably significant impacts this year might cause in the coming years. And it may be very, very subtle, but it'll definitely be a huge impact. Like the cohorts of students that are in uni right now and they're full on just doing stuff online. Imagine the different skills and I guess the different, the gap of skills that would be um, mm. in the cohort of students previously and then now, the ones that are experiencing uni through this pandemic. Yeah, it yeah. Be super different. Like, I don't know how you two feel because you've obviously studied online, whereas I didn't have that. 
Are you are you glad, Jane, that you graduated in December right before all this? Well, I mean, I have to say that I am because I can't <laughs> imagine like it would have been so different if I graduated at the end of this year. I reckon. Yeah. Um, <sighs> like I got in just in time. <laughs> Damn it! I shouldn't. I shouldn't have done that extra semester, man. <laughs> but life happens. There we are. Yeah, but all three of us are actually arts art students. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have thoughts on this? Oh yeah, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. My thoughts. Yes. yes. Um, just I love being an arts grad, and I feel like people really they, there's almost like stigma attached to it about yes, grads aren't employable. Blah 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 blah. But um, like there's so much research that shows that maybe not like within the first year of graduation, but once mm. you look at like two, three, four years after, the rates of like being employed are the same, if not higher than like other degrees like STEM. Really? Um, yeah. And it's just, you know, like we kind of live in an economy where like it's all, of, it's all about your transferable skills at this point because so many jobs are like changing and evolving and yep. a lot of it you can learn on the job, um, yeah. but like your more basic skills of like being able to write a paragraph that makes sense um (laughs) or like communicate really well with other people like that actually is more important um that actually gives me a little bit of hope but it goes back (laughs) to that question like how if if you say that a lot of the stuff is technically learned on the job and you can definitely adapt to whatever task is kind of given at you at that point but how do you first get into it right like isn't that the whole the whole issue like the fact that it's hard to actually go into it like yes you can prove yourself once you're already in it but how do you get your foot in the door yeah that's just a big challenge right now like how do you make the jump but yeah going back into I guess youth employment um technically youth is considered to be people of the age group of 15 to 24 so we've been going around about like experience and everything being probably one of the major concerns, you know, like despite COVID and everything. Um, and yeah, just that whole cycle of you need experience to get a job, but you need a job to gain experience, which is on all of our minds, I think. Um, how have you found in your volunteer work in terms of that? Yeah, I guess a lot of my volunteer work is like advocating for young people to be included because um while we like might not necessarily have the work experience the professional experience Mm. it doesn't mean we don't have the skills um and then on top of that we have like lived experience of um you know we're young people so we experience the issues that young people face so we experience the world around us and that like brings really interesting perspectives um especially when you're working in like the social the so-called like social impact sector where you're like trying to fix these problems yeah um but yeah like young people have really new ideas um we've grown up in a different society so we know how it works and we have like yeah like a really different spin on things often um it's just like getting people to value that and not look at it as like well I don't see you have like have three to five years of like professional experience where like you actually had a job title at this particular company Mm. Yeah. So it's that sort of shift in mindset though, right? Mm. Like for one, companies or employers have to see it in that perspective. And then also for us who are seeking employment, we also have to kind of embrace it in that perspective. It's like, yes, I might not have a job title kind of thing, but hey, I have these skills. Yeah, I think so. It's kind of like, I mean, maybe it's goes into advertising, but like branding yourself. So like, 
<laughs> do all yeah. these things at uni and outside uni probably and like none of those things are a formal job but that doesn't mean they're not like valuable work experience you just have mm. to like package it differently yeah do you think uni's prepped you like for yourself <laughs> as as someone who's employed outside of uni like i can't i can't say that just because of my, <laughs> of my circumstance <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean like i feel like i struggle with this question because like Obviously, in terms of, like, the knowledge that I needed, uni has prepped me, but that's because I ended up, like, working somewhere that was quite relevant to my degree, whereas, mm. like, not everyone decides or is able to do that. Yeah. Um, more generally, I guess, like, yes and no. Like, maybe this is a criticism of the uni I went to specifically, but, like... Our dear um, alma mater, Jane. <laughs> our dear alma mater, which we used to fundraise for, but anyway... <laughs> Okay, contact me and Jane. <laughs> Can we say this? But um, I mean, yes. Yeah, so context: Jane and I both worked in a section of the university where we um, supported initiatives, supported um, causes that the university was supporting. Um, we were both student callers. <laughs> it was it was a great two years, right? Like. It, it was a it was a fun fun time yeah definitely learned communication skills from that <laughs> communication skills resilience yep, negotiation perseverance <laughs> actually but yeah so just contacts <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we did we did get to talk to a lot of people though like i don't know um yeah you were we were allowed to talk to so many different alumni which was great yeah yeah and i feel like that did like help in terms of being job ready because I got to actually hear from other people but I don't know um, of that like the average student gets at uni because other courses or other do a lot around like mentoring and networks and trying to like um like build different programs where students actually like are put in touch with people in the industry or like get to hear from people who came before them to work out to get the most out of their degree um not sure like how well our university did that (laughs) in my experience Mm -hmm. um but I think a lot of it is like it it makes it so like it's placed back on the students for you to like like the opportunities are out there but you have to go access them Mm. um like they can help to prepare you better but you you need to go out and like have yeah I think that's the that's the tough one it's like like you said, it's out there, but then you have to be the one to kind of grasp it, mm. which isn't easy for everyone. Like it's a, it may be a foreign concept to everyone. I think the average student doesn't even know that these things exist or wouldn't even be bothered yeah. to actually yeah. access it, right? Um, but there was, there was one alumni that I spoke to, don't know her name, for completely forgot, but I remember she was so, so passionate about people not going into uni. And she was an <laughs> alumni. Wow. Okay. <laughs> she, she was like, you know what? Less it's a trap. Should... Yeah, it's a, it's a trap. trap. So yeah. Don't waste your three years. No, but okay. She was advocating more for, look, there's a lot of people already going into higher education. Do we really need more? You know what we need? We need more tradies, like more people who are just going straight into the job and into jobs that don't necessarily need higher education. You move there. Like what is, you got, you got, you got a response there. I mean, that's interesting because, like, on the one hand, I understand that argument and I definitely Mm. think we need to think about um, funding tapes and, like, 
because we think of like tertiary education as just unis, but there's other things besides unis and um, people are often like deterred from going into like apprenticeships and things like that because it's not as prestigious, I guess. Yes, um, that word. Yeah. Yeah. But then the other question is like, is uni about like what society needs or is it about what students want out of life in general, right? Like, you know, maybe society doesn't want more arts graduates, mm. but what about like how much value learning about these subjects brought to my life? Can I mm. have that opportunity? even though yeah. you don't need it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, that's a bit of a tough one. I, I think, shouldn't it go both ways though? Should it be able to benefit us as an individual, but at the same time, because it benefits us as an individual, this is an ideal society kind of kind yeah, of sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably utopian. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably utopian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's that like, because it benefits the individual, then it should henceforth benefit the society. But again, that's just like a ideal sort of concept. Yeah. But you're totally right, though. Like, I feel like that's what university should be like. So mm. they should be a place where, like, everyone has the opportunity to go there and feels really well supported to get the most out of their learning. And there are lots of supports for you to, like, get into particular career paths um, because that's what society wants out of us, like, the work that we can bring. Yeah. Um, but then, like, it's a two-way street. So you should also benefit from the experience, even if you don't end up mm. in the jobs that people think are the most valuable. I feel like it's hard to say because, like like I said, like, it's... Or let's take science. Science and arts. Because with arts, I feel like... I think, like, one of you guys pointed out, like, um, you don't really need the degree. I don't know if you, you guys said it, but like, or probably read it somewhere, but, like, like, like for arts, maybe in the department, like I've seen like a lot of people in the advertising industry, they technically don't have a degree in advertising, but they learn along the way, you know, but like with science, you cannot just rock, rock up to like NASA or whatever saying like, oh, I have no experience <laughs> or nothing, but I'm going to learn along the way. You're not going to yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. They're not going to. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it's more so in that sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think mm. it's definitely industry based and like a case by case basis, you'd say, but so we mentioned this, um, definitely the impacts of COVID-19 on employment and youth employment. And apparently youth has been the most impacted um, from the data that I have read in dif- different sources. Um, you know, a, a, large, a large significant sum has, lose, has lost their jobs either because of, you know, not enough, there's not enough protection. Like for me, I experienced it myself being casually contracted. That's a whole... It's, again, there are pros and cons. It's just that right now we're seeing the bulk of the cons because there's basically no protection. No one is technically obligated to help you out. And, you know, grateful for the JobKeeper program that I cannot be a part of because I am not a citizen of Australia. Although I am grateful for the people who who are able to get it. Although it does leave out a significant portion of the population as well because of the criteria that is in place. Um, I guess working with the people that you do, Jane, how has the whole thing kind of ha- kind of been impacted? Like, is the program ideal? Like, what would you say? In terms of the JobKeeper program. JobKeeper program and, yeah, just in, in terms of, like, job losses. Yeah, um, I think JobKeeper's, like, kind of patching up the symptoms but not really acknowledging the cause. Like, what you said before about, like, all the cons have been we're really experiencing the bulk of the cons right now. Um, it's like those cons are always there. It's just that mm. 
when push comes to shove, that's when you realize how like precarious people are, how insecure the work is. Um, and it's true, we can't keep JobKeeper going on forever. Um, and that should be like a warning sign to us that we need to think about like, why is the work so insecure? Like, how yeah. can we expect people to um, have livelihoods, like put food on the table and um, take care of their families if this is the kind of, like these are the only kinds of jobs available for people, um, yeah. especially young people, because a lot of us are working in like hospital and retail, which yeah. obviously all shut down right now. Um, oh. Yeah, pay just like pay your rent if that's the only support that you can get. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, I remember even, like, I, I try, I try to look at the brighter side of things always, right? And I remember just even looking at casual contracts in this point of view of, like, it's actually pretty great because, um, yes, while well, the employer is also not obligated to kind of give a certain amount of hours, depending on the contract that they give, but it also kind of works out for us because we're not obliged to just stick to the one job sort of thing, mm-hmm. right? Which, which provides a little bit of freedom, especially for students, but then now, again, like the bulk of the cons, you're like, oh, but they're no longer obligated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you can technically get compensated, but then not necessarily. And then I read somewhere, apparently this year, possibly 1.1 million casual workers um, from the JobKeeper program is left out because they, they can't get it since they're not employed for more than a year yet in one employment. Mm-hmm. And I've heard in a few places that, you know, employers try to kind of loophole their way to it. So, yeah, that's like, that's a huge problem on, on its own. It's leaving out so many people who are at a disadvantage. Yeah, yeah. totally. Like, big gas in the system, like you said before, international students is a big one that people are talking about because, like, Thank you, you guys are here, like, working and, <laughs> like, bringing value. Um but then the response when times get tough is like, mm, you should have thought about your financial security before you came here and go home. Like, it's just like leaving a lot of people <laughs> like fend for themselves in a pandemic. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you can't afford it, go home. Like, with what flight? No, actually, um, I volunteer for this food relief center and I thought it would be a lot of families but it's more so the case just because of the location that it's in, which is in South Bank, close to CBD. It's mostly international students. It really is. Yeah. And I don't, it's, just, it's just really sad to think. Like, I'm grateful. Like, I think, um, well, me and Brandon, we've been blessed enough to be in the portion where we are still somewhat able to be financially supported by our parents, mm-hmm. right, as international students. Yeah. But there are so many coming from so many parts of the world where they literally came here with with just just enough you yeah. know with just enough to survive and then they're meant to find even more survival when they get here mm. so there's not even like a backup sort of thing mm. and it's just such a it's, it's such a sad sight to see um yeah it does tuck tug at my heart so thank you for mentioning that international students we feel you we hear you we are here for you oh, <laughs> gosh do you work with any international students actually um trying to think I guess yeah some um and obviously there's like a lot of overlapping issues that are like challenges everyone faces but yeah I guess for me it's like just being really conscious of the ways in which I am really like privileged and protected from certain issues because 
fact, I'm not an international student. Um, like even a lot of the challenges that I was talking about in terms of youth unemployment, like I'm very lucky I don't have to worry about paying rent. And like, I try to be really clear about like, yeah, I have parents who like, I live in their house. So um, yeah, just like, I talk about a lot of issues, but I also know that I want to like, raise attention to them but I'm not going through them personally and I want to like recognize that you're great for doing that like I know I keep up with your stories and that's always something that you definitely emphasize (laughs) (laughs) it's like look I say these things I know I know I'm not I I, I know I'm not experiencing the same things but let me support you with what I can support you know so I yeah I appreciate that you kind of pointed out in that in that sense because you do advocate for a lot of things (laughs) <laughs> yeah I just like get angry about a lot of things and like, <laughs> yes she is very ranty I am I am yeah my Instagram is not a positive <laughs> <laughs> well you haven't gone under like a rant position right now like <laughs> what are what are <laughs> what are what are your um biggest peeves right now what are my biggest peeves? That is like a can of worms question. That's like its own episode. Um, what are my biggest peeves? That's what I asked Jane. I was like, Jane, let's dig deep. <laughs> What's on your mind? Where do I start, man? Government. Just trash the government all the time. <laughs> yeah, lack of support for absolutely like all the people who need support the most and just like not valuing how much work or value they bring to our society because mm. I don't know people only care about big businesses apparently because they spend all the cash <laughs> the worst part is I think I think it's the fact that it's always framed in like a, yes we support big big businesses but then it's actually for the society you know isn't that isn't that like what kind of irks it's like at least just be blunt about it. <laughs> yeah, just just like say you don't care about everyone else and go. <laughs> <laughs> this is our very negative side coming out. <laughs> <laughs> this is no good vibes today. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just gonna ask: Does Australia have like like the government? Do they have like a financial assistance thing where they like kind of like give out money to those that's in need? Because I know in the US they do, right? Mm. I don't know what they call it. Um, would you say Centrelink is probably at the forefront of that right now? Yeah, so Centrelink is kind of the um, the service who provides all those different types of payments. Yep. Um, and the main one right now, they, they're calling it Job Seeker. So mm. if you're unemployed, you get Job Seeker payments, um, yeah. which is like another point of contention because a lot of research is showing the level, like the amount of payment you get is way too low. They raised mm. it during COVID, but they're going to, I think they've put it back down now. Like they've lowered the rates or they're planning to lower the rates and yeah yeah Mm. it's gonna put a lot of people back into poverty especially when you can't get a job right now yeah (laughs) Yeah. and honestly because you're staying at home so much like um at least if you're staying in the cbd and like the inner suburbs you actually do have to spend the bulk of your money on bills utility bills Mm. and that's a significant amount it's not cheap yo I gotta say like every month I get that bill come in and I'm like, <laughs> like <laughs> shook it. just a little bit shook it. yeah <laughs> but with that um with you being in the field of government policy and everything 
just as someone who do has who 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 does have a voice in terms of um I guess youth and the work that you're in what measures do you think the government should implement to prevent youth unemployment from continuing to increase like what is an ideal program um oh <laughs> what is an ideal program um <laughs> yeah I guess what I was saying before like recognizing that if there aren't in enough jobs out there then we need to create jobs and I mean that's like what the government says it's trying to do but done that in a way where it's like invested in construction and roads mm. I think that's to create jobs but um for a lot of young people it's kind of like how does that help me um yeah like there needs to be like I mean I guess you just go back to basics and say like I don't know if I can come up with an answer right now how you can fix youth unemployment but yeah it's getting young people to be part of that solution because I feel like one of the main reasons why we're getting nowhere with that kind of challenge is because politicians aren't listening to young people. Mm, They're like, oh, you have no jobs right now? That's fine. We'll help create jobs by putting money into new roads and construction. And a lot of young people are like, how the hell is that going to help me? That's Mm. not the industry I want to work in. Like, these are the actual problems that are stopping me from getting a job. Do you mind helping us with that instead? Yeah. Um, so if there was actually like an appetite to listen to young people and have them be part of the conversation when you come up with these policies in the first place, then maybe we wouldn't be in such a tricky situation right now. Do you feel like it's getting better throughout the years? Like I wouldn't, I, I guess me and Brandon, again, like being international students, we wouldn't know. And I know, uh, I know it's also the same problem with Indonesia and it's a, it's a whole other beast. Um, lots of things happen there. Lots of things happening now. But mm. yeah, in terms of Australia, I guess, because we wouldn't know. Do you feel like it's getting better? In terms of like, Australia? The government, the young people. Yeah. Yeah, I do think it's actually getting better. Um, at the moment, like the federal government has a task force that is representing young people and they're actually doing surveys right now. Um, oh. And there are like a lot more organisations who are working more closely with government and trying to connect them with young people um yeah it's just I think it's like on both sides it's like letting young people know that they should get involved and this is how to get involved because often for a lot of people it's just like I vote when I have to vote I didn't know Mm -hmm. there were other options um and then on the other side it's trying to show the people who are making the decisions like young people have so many cool ideas and would bring a lot of value if you listen to them just do you, can you just like make time to listen to <laughs> seriously yeah 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 that's true it's it's again that gap of like okay how much value can you really bring but if it's something that is relevant to us then wouldn't we have the bigger voice there because we're the ones experiencing it yeah like we're the ones who are going to be able to tell you whether this solution is like makes sense to us mm. um like if for example you're doing some kind of policy that's supposed to change our behavior or our attitudes we're the ones who can tell you whether that's like aligning with how we see the world and whether it will actually work in terms of um, how we want to like change the way we interact in society. I found a, oh, this is, this is solid, a sentence. I don't know if you agree with this, but young people are recognized as agents of change, entrusted with fulfilling their own potential and ensuring a world fit for future generations. <laughs> I kind of love that I kind of like half love it and half hate it because it's like totally true I know so many young people who are agents of change and they're like doing so much work to try and create a more sustainable just world for the next generation and at the same time sometimes I'm like 
young people shouldn't be doing that. We should just be yeah. like hanging out, having fun, <laughs> enjoying our youth, and not trying to like fight with politicians all the yep. time because they don't have our best interests at heart. Like you're the one in power, isn't that your responsibility? <laughs> Let's just have fun. Yeah. <laughs> it allows us to just enjoy life. No, I think it may be the way that I said it too, though. I should have said, said it so sarcastically. <laughs> if, you, if you word it, if, if you use like different intonations, it actually sounds different. It's like young people are recognized as agents of change. Like that, that makes it sound so much better. Makes a difference. Yeah. But yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Thank you for sharing that. That's actually... Um, um, I think hearing it in that sense, you know, there are a lot of people kind of rising up and seeing what it is that they feel like is in need of change. Mm-hmm. And the young people who are stepping up, honestly, like kudos to them, like much respect to all of them. I, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, like to you, I've always, I've always said like, um, very grateful to have you as a friend and know what you do, what you, you, you doing what you do in the society. And like you've always been so humble about it, so <laughs> I'm like super uncomfortable right now. I know. I don't know how to respond to that? That's <laughs> why it's great. <laughs> I too do not take compliments well, <laughs> but I like to create that awkwardness to people. I guess okay. The three of us being in different positions of life, sort of right now. What are, and this is again a very broad question. What are our hopes for the future in terms of youth? employment being being young people ourselves and going into the workforce or already is in the workforce or hoping to be in the workforce mm. okay you know what i am employed i'm just not working okay <laughs> like that's so it's a confusing it's a confusing place to be in yeah is that in terms of like what kind of work i'm hoping to do or like what let's do I both hope... okay interesting um i guess like if i were to imagine an ideal world like what the world of work would look like um it's like people get to do work that they enjoy and find meaningful and then they get rewarded for it um and I mean work in the sense of like right now there are a lot of forms of work that we don't consider work like Mm. like there's a reason why so much charity work is just volunteering because people don't consider it like worth paying for um or even work like looking after your family, being a carer, that is, yeah. like, bringing so much value to people and to society, but that's just your role. That's not something you get yeah. um, rewarded for. Um, so it would be really nice to have a society where all of that, like, every kind of effort and labour that you put in um, to create a better society is recognised as, like, meaningful work. That would be great. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. There's even like the rise of like unpaid internships. Like a whole other subject. <laughs> a whole other subject. But yeah, I was talking about this to Brandon earlier and I'm like, I am I am a full on like no supporter to that. And I know a lot yeah. of unis definitely exploit it as well. Like you don't pay them. to get into internships. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. And it's like a, a business of its own, you know, like um, people. Yeah. And it's not even a guarantee. Like people actually pay to get into programs that would get you into an internship. So you pay to get into the program with no guarantee that you will get an internship, but it's just higher chances. And I'm like, yeah. ah, oh, I don't know how I feel about that. But anyways, I, I do definitely agree with that. I do definitely agree as in, again, with this year, there's just so many things coming into light. And then, yeah, like places where 
positions where it was previously undervalued or at least you're not seeing is now you know seen as the most essential things like healthcare Ooh. workers like of course we we've we've loved them from the start like doctors and everything but now we see like how much nurses are so much in need right and there's a lack yeah, of it yeah. for example care workers like you said aged care home workers like that's that's a field that is undervalued and not just in terms of money wise but also as a society's mindset I feel yeah so, yeah definitely ideal world sense we got to get there some way one way or another but... gotta fight for it <laughs> I guess can we go back to unpaid internships? <laughs> we can. Please, 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 please. I mean, I I did a couple unpaid internship for RMIT, which is okay. Um, I you guess love RMIT, dude. I do love RMIT. They're the best university ever. I'm kidding. I don't know when I first had my first unpaid internship. I was like, okay, like it felt a little unfair at the same time, and also like, I don't know. I felt like you guys might have a different opinion on this. Like I felt like um, unpaid internship may be a good thing because I don't know like employers might see like oh you know you get you get experience out of that and we get like free labor I don't know but you know obviously some of us even myself sometimes I do feel like no we I feel like we still deserve to to get paid mm. despite the fact that it's still an internship despite the fact that I'm just getting a coffee for you you know it's still a little I don't know like what are your thoughts on that like. Youth advocate. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Youth <advocate> <laughs> I mean, I think the thing is, yeah, for, for a lot of people, it's like, well, you know, if we didn't have unpaid internships, the alternative is probably just like less internships, which is even less. Mm. Um, and I think I can see that to an extent, but I think we need, like, if you're going to offer an internship, be really realistic about what the limitations are and where it's going to get you. Um, and if it is like a, a role where like, somebody is doing work for you like the fact that they're learning new skills on the job and that is going to help them in the future doesn't take away from the fact that they're bringing value to you and you should mm. pay for that like yeah you know when you work like a normal full-time job you're still learning on the job you're still gonna like build more experience that you can use in the next job mm. but like in the meantime you're still like helping that company do good things or like mm. reach their goals so they should reward you for that time and effort yeah and if you know if they can't then they should like recognize the limitations of how much you should dedicate to them then yeah 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 that makes sense that's true so it's sort of like again that balance that you gotta find yeah it's just i guess it's kind of just like putting all the expectations out there so that people can make a choice just be um, blunt about it yeah so the people know what they're getting into yeah because yeah, like I know people who've done internships and it's it was basically like a proper job. Like they were really using their skills to help out and um, not just getting coffee, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, weren't like paid particularly well for that, um, which I think is really unfair and not just unfair for like the individual, but it's really terrible in terms of equity because mm. it means that a lot of people who can't afford to do unpaid work will never get the internship because they like can't. Like, if you're going to yeah. ask me to do an unpaid internship, but I also have to do my part-time job because I yeah. kind of need money to live. Yep. And I have to end up doing my part-time job that's not related to the career I want to go into. Yeah. And that kind of also brings up, um, I don't know if you guys agree with this, but doesn't that also kind of bring, bring up the problem of like, oh, if we can get free labor in terms of unpaid internship just because of the demand being there, 
then why do we even need to pay for you know efforts being put in of like actual people coming into entry-level jobs or like different roles in the company if we can get unpaid interns to kind of do the bulk of it mm. just because mm. of experience like, i know i know i know there is the argument of like but it's different you know like not everyone will invest on like internships and everything like companies won't invest on it but it does bring forth that thought like yeah if they can just exploit free labor why not it's unpaid internship sort of it's pretty much like a fancy term for volunteering <laughs> yeah no mm-hmm. it really is and i'm that's what i mean by like you have to set the expectations yeah. because i've done like i once did an unpaid internship which was just basically volunteering like doing mm-hmm. really basic shit that didn't use my yeah. degree that much yeah. um which i was like i guess fine to do because i was like you know i'm still helping an organization that i think has really good values yeah but it would have been nice if they had just told me straight up that this is basically just volunteering helping us out with a bit of admin yeah. and not an internship per se yeah. right I mean, it is a cooler title, I guess, on our side. <laughs> oh, yeah, you did. <laughs> That's what they're getting at, Jane. True, but, true. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, those are our thoughts on unpaid internships. Man, I feel used. All that, <laughs> no? unpaid, all that unpaid internship. It was all volunteering. <laughs> all your brain power. All exactly. your time and no but it's good i think that perspective is also good though of seeing it as like oh yeah definitely like i I gained the experience and i did gain exposure into the industry whatever it is but um yeah i think that part of like yeah but then there are people who are at a disadvantage financially and i can't even do an unpaid internship because you know there are only 24 hours in a day and if you need (laughs) and if you actually need income to survive then there's not opportunity to actually grasp that unpaid internship no matter how much it is there mm. for you. Do you talk to a lot of like, as a youth advocate, do you talk to a lot of like young people regarding like, like, like again, unpaid internship? Do you do you hear a lot about that like complaining? Yeah, I do. I guess I talk about it more in the um, the nonprofit space in terms of youth participation yeah. because like a lot of organizations are like, yeah, we want more young people to be part of our programs and to give them more power and volunteer with us. Um, but often it's like unpaid work again where it's like I think like an example I can give is I have a friend who was like a real advocate around homelessness issues mm-hmm. um, so an organization would take them to different events and they would talk about their experience um, and it was just to help the organization get a lot of funding um, mm-hmm. good but that was work mm-hmm. for that person like they're sharing their story over and over again and yeah. they're not necessarily getting like recognized for that um, and rewarded um, in terms of payment. Um, yeah. yeah, like a lot of that advocacy work, people don't realize that is a lot of like time and yeah, effort. Definitely. Yeah. It's not just definitely. like, yeah, it's not just like somebody happening to share their story at a particular moment. It's like they probably spent some time thinking about what points they had to like talk about and they researched mm. and they took the effort to travel to that location. Mm. Yeah. Question. Was this part of your thesis? No, a little. Really. Isn't a little bit of it part of your thesis about an um? I guess youth employment in the social enterprise space, right? Oh uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, I was kind of just yeah. My thesis was on like how we think about the concept of unemployment. Yes. Yeah. A linguistics point of view. Yeah. So like a study of like the use of language in social enterprises. Mm. That's why you're such an advocate of like you know just be blunt about it. Just like. Say it, it as out. it is. You call it out. <laughs> Otherwise, people will tell you stories. 
Like, use the right words. <laughs> I guess talking about all of this, um, different aspects and so relevant to us in terms of people in our age, I just wanted to end it in a sort of good note. And this is what I've been experiencing myself as someone who is a fresh graduate and is looking for a job right now. I think there is no, there is no sense of ideal um, and COVID-19 has impacted us very, very thoroughly throughout the whole world, wherever you may be. But there will be doors open as hard as it is. And I'm staying hopeful. So hopefully people are there are also staying hopeful. Um, Brandon coming out of uni soon. <laughs> <laughs> staying hopeful. But yeah, I wanted to I, I wanted to end it that way. Like I know we, we tend to stick so much into what is ideal for us. And again, we do need to find that balance of like reality and uh, what is what is it that we aspire to do but each and every single one of us i would say we have our own different timelines so let's just go at it day by day um hopefully to everyone i hope for the best for all of you from the bbt podcast (laughs) jane do you have any any end remarks um i guess just encouragement for anyone and everyone or like anything that you want to share yeah i guess echoing what you said about everyone's on their own timeline is really important like don't let people feel like oh you haven't reached a certain point so you're not doing well because once again we are in a pandemic um there is no such thing as like normal or what you're supposed to do now um and i guess in general just stay angry but stay hopeful (laughs) (laughs) you know like be passionate about like the very real issues that are out there yeah um but you know, if we work, um, if we work hard, if we advocate, if we stay knowledgeable, then there's hope. <laughs> That's great. I like that. Cool. All right. Thank you, Jade, for joining us today. It was such Thanks a pleasure. You. Um, you now have the opportunity to do a social plug. Oh, okay. Um, uh, what do I want to plug though? <laughs> anything I mean, and everything. everything. I have a website, janechen.me. That's the oh. only thing I can think of. <laughs> there you go. That's cool. And um, your Instagram? You my do have a lot of things there. Is, my Instagram is private though. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> For a reason. <laughs> you can try to find me, but yeah, I get pretty angry on this. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're into that, you know why not. <laughs> <laughs> you can try. I you might expect try. it. We'll find out. <laughs> I mean, no. she won't no. approve it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, go to Jane's website, y'all. <laughs> Jane Chen.B. Well, that is it. Uh, make sure to follow us on BBT Podcast. To stay in touch with our, like all our uploads and updates uh, in the near future. And we'll see you soon. Bye, everyone. Bye.